Well, turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Am I on? Am I on? Can you hear me now? Ephesians chapter 4. And then put a finger over in Isaiah 61. And we'll get to that in a minute. In Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 21, it says, Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes, put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. And in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new is here. Today we begin our Christmas series titled, A Spirit-Filled Christmas Carol. The series and this story is all about a transformed life. Has anyone not seen one version of the movie, A Christmas Carol? Any version. I mean, last night we watched the Muppet Christmas Carol. You know, so any ver anybody not seen... See? Because it's just good. And I have to admit, the one that you'll see a lot in the scenes that, that I'll share are based off from Disney's A Christmas Carol. It's the one with Jim Carrey, and it's animated, but not cartoonish. It's computer graphic animated. Um, so a lot of the scenes you'll hear me talk about is based off that. So I encourage you to watch that movie. As a matter of fact, get some popcorn, some good popcorn, and watch it a few times. And then watch a Muppet Christmas Carol because that's just good. But the main point for this series is that without a transformed life, the best this life has to offer, as King Solomon put it, is a chasing after the wind. Uh, vain pursuits, he called it. Without a transformed life. Let me just share with you, Charles Dickens called his little Christmas book a Christmas carol. The word carol means a joyful song that celebrates Jesus. Dickens began writing his little carol, as he called it, in October 1843. The first and best of his Christmas books has become a Christmas tradition and easily Dickens' best-known book. In a CBN interview, Stephen Skelton, author of The Christmas Carol, a special church edition, explains that Charles Dickens reveals his Christian faith within the story. Skelton stated, Today, too many of us view a Christmas carol as a secular seasonal story in the same category as Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer or Frosty. 
But that's not where this story belongs at all. In the first place, with Charles Dickens, you're dealing with a self-proclaimed Christian author. And in the second place, he has infused his story with Christian meaning. After all, this is the writer who said, I have always striven in my writing to express with great respect and reverence the life and lessons of our Savior. In his preface, Dickens wrote that he intended his story to haunt us pleasantly. He did not want his tale to mire us in guilt and helplessness, but to lift us up in a spirit of rebirth and joy. The good news is that with God, we too have the same opportunity for a transformed life as this enlightened Scrooge. And in Christ, as Scrooge proclaimed, we can know how to keep Christmas all the better all year long. See, over the next few weeks, we're going to focus on these three scenes of Scrooge's life, led, which led him to his transformation, the, the past, the present, and the future. So today, we're going to begin the series with talking about his past. In our opening scene, we see Scrooge being led back through his past to his old schoolroom. Scrooge held on to the memory of his schoolroom as a joyful as joyful at first glance. But once the story unfolded, he remembered how he was left year after year when other children went home on holiday. He was left neglected, abandoned, and unloved. Until one year, his younger sister Fran interceded for him, finally bringing him home. But it was too late. The damage was already done. Cementing in his life this belief that would haunt him over and over again. In Ecclesiastes 3.15 it says, Whatever is has already been. And what will be has been before. And God will call the past to account. Do you know that experiences in your past form the way you see your future? It shapes the way you even live today. The way you view people, the way you view your purpose in life, the way you hope, even your dreams are all affected by things that have happened in your past, if your past remains in your hands. See, Psychology Today states, early childhood memories are the source from which children start to form their beliefs about the world. If, for example, a little child believed that her parents are giving more attention to her little brother, then she might develop the belief that her parents don't love her the same way they love her little brother. But how can this past affect the life of that child later on? Simply put, that child might always believe that someone else will be preferred over her wherever she goes. 
When that child grows up and gets married, she will battle with the feelings of insecurity and jealousy. Believing that her husband is cheating on her and even going to leave her. This tainted belief will continue to impact the way that this woman sees and does her life the rest of her life. Your past, left in your hands, will continue affecting your future unless you go through a life transformation not too unlike the one we're going to see Scrooge go through. 1905 philosopher George Santayana said, those who do not remember the past are doomed to repeat it. But it's not just remember, oh, let's remember. That word remember, and we'll look at it again in a different context, that word remember means to tend to it. Not just remember it, but tend to it, fix it, take care of it. It's like walking down a road, no sign, and all of a sudden there's no road and you fall into a pit. The next day you're heading down the same road. Are you going to continue to fall into the pit? Well, maybe. No, you're going to learn from it, tend to it, take care of it, go around it. Why? Because you're coming close to that pit and you're going to remember it, oh yeah, there's a pit right there. I'm not going to fall into it again. If you are one of those people, we have a special altar call for you over here after the service, okay? We'll get that fixed. No, so it's not just a remember, oh, remember. It's a tend to it, fix it, take care of it, remember. Those who do not remember, those who do not tend to it, those who do not take care of the past are doomed to repeat it. There are great lessons to be learned from the past, and we need to learn from them. As a matter of fact, I welcome them. I'm the type of leader, I say it all the time, I say it to my staff. Please tell me. Tell me if you've tried this before, and that doesn't mean that it won't work now. I'm not going to get off into that. But I love learning from other people's mistakes. Why? So that I don't have to make them. Right? I don't want to make a mistake. So if you can tell me, you know, hey, mistake, pit, in the road, I'm going to go, you know what? I'm not the type that has to go make sure. I'm just going to go around. Okay? But where there's things that we need to learn from, So that we don't exhaust our strength repeating our past mistakes or bad choices. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10-11, regarding the Old Testament, it says that these things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us so that we don't have to repeat their mistakes. And did you notice in the Old Testament there seems to be this progressive, um, we're down in the you know, bottom of the pit, there's no hope left, we're all out of option, now we'll cry out to God. And then he looks down, has pity, scoops them up because they are like sold out to God right now. Why? Because we're in the pit, there's no other option. So he scoops them out, cleans them off, sets them apart, right? 
gets them on a good road. Here you go. They're on a good road. Yay! And then they forget God again. And let's do our own thing. And where does that lead to them? Back into the pit again. So there's lessons laid out for us that we can learn from. Again, your past left in your hands will continue affecting your future. But I'm going to talk to you today about doing just that, taking your past out of your hands and giving it to God. And all those effects that sometimes we're unaware of that we even do that. We're unaware that that thing has affected us and that's why we're doing this or that's why we're thinking that. That if we turn that over to God, here it is, it's all yours. He can rewrite our future. You know, he's still got the pen in his hand for our life. But he can't rewrite something that you're continuing to hold the book on. So we have to give that to him. And let me tell you, um, and I was reminded in the pre-service prayer, that pain distorts perspective. That's one of the chapters in the, in the book that I just finished writing, that pain distorts perspective. It changes the way we view things. And we don't even know we're seeing things differently. And I put this... Um, example in there that isn't true of anyone yet it can be true of everyone um, where we go through this heartache and I wrote in the the book um, about a a girl growing up married her high school sweetheart um, they're married whatever however many years they have you know 2.5 children because it always has to be that 0.5 which I don't want to know what half that anyway <laughs> 2.5 children, it goes on, and I lay out this scenario how, you know, he starts, you know, the little drinking turns into the much drinking, turns into the fights, turns into um, the extreme fights, turns into her in the hospital, um, turns into him leaving, turns into divorce, um, and now she's sitting in the pastor's office saying, I will never love again. I'll never let anybody that close to me. I can't trust anyone. You know, you've heard them all before, right? It's never going to happen. Well, is that true? No. No. But her perspective has been distorted by her pain. And just like the girl in the story, things from our past left in our hands, again, I'll, I'll keep telling you that, can distort our perspective in the way we do life. And actually, it will keep us from experiencing a whole lot of things that God wants to give us because we feel undeserved, um, insecure. No, he can, he can bless Pastor Neil that way, but, you know, that's because, well, you know, he must walk on water, and, you know, I'm still just trying to, you know, keep my head above the water. Um, so, I, you know, I keep God at arm's length away because, well, look at the wretched, you know, worm I am, right? Um, you keep your, if you're married, you keep your spouse even at arm's length away because I can't let them too far in because, 
again, pain distorts perspective. So the first scene that we opened up for you, um, in his life, this insecurity, this unloveness, this abandonment issues were not his choice. They were things that happened to him from other people's choices, right? So I'm not saying things in your past are all your problem or all your fault. Some things happened and we did not welcome them. We did not want them, but it doesn't change the fact that they can change your perspective. The next scene, the little park bench and lantern, the next scene, we see our beloved Scrooge, now engaged, sitting with his fiancée, giving her excuses as to why this is just not the right time to get married yet again this year. Scrooge was so affected by his past neglect that he unknowingly chose to place his love and attention in material things, vowing to never be in someone else's debt whether by feelings or finances. Yet when he did meet a young lady who had him hoping for a new life, his past kept him from believing it could ever really happen. His coping mechanism was pushing true love right out of his heart. Actually, it was keeping true love from even entering his heart. Then one Christmas, as he sat again on this park bench, she releases him from their engagement to pursue, as she put it, what mattered most to him. This only drove him deeper into his tainted belief that he will forever be abandoned and unloved. These things that happen in our past mar, warp, even cripple us in our behavior and pave the way for a future of these vain pursuits, these chasing after the wind, this que sera, sera. Oh, well, it's all in God's hands. You know, I don't have any control of it. Whatever happens, happens. God wants to take us back to these scenes and point out the cause, showing us the lie we've believed that has been affecting us. And let me share with you, it was uh, two weeks ago, I think, on a Wednesday night that we were having worship and God gave me a word to speak out and I kept hearing it repeat over and over and over and over again. Cause and effect, cause and effect, cause and effect. And it was so weird because at night I went home and there was a show on TV. Or was it the next night? I can't remember. Um, uh, anyway, I won't tell you the show because who knows. But anyway, um, that's all they kept saying. Cause and effect, cause and effect. And I, you know, called my mom. Can you believe this? But it was cause and effect, cause and effect. And I'll read it because I, I don't want to mess it up. Um, we are careful to examine and find the cause when we see the effects regarding our finances, our vehicles, our houses, even our physical bodies. 
So why don't we examine to find the cause when we notice unpleasant effects regarding our spiritual life? He explained, God explained, that he is the gentleman gardener and he stands next to the cause in our past, the cause in our life, but he waits for us to give him permission to cut it away, to take it away, to have it. He's the gentleman gardener. And he's waiting at that spot. He don't like it. I mean, come on. What parent likes to see their child hindered, crippled, affected by a lie? Or something that happened in their past that they had absolutely no control over. Or maybe even, I love it because God, remember, and we'll get to that in Isaiah 61. He says, I've come to set the captives free and release the prisoners. Captives are held hostage by somebody else's choice. They've taken them captive. Prisoners are in jail because of, hello, their own choices. And he said, I've come to set them both free. But he says, I'm the gentle gardener and I'm standing there at the spot. And he waits for us to give him permission. You know, back when I started writing that book that I just finished, um, the, I think it was the first chapter, it talks about um, the, the, the um, huge marital problems that Brian and I, it seemed like, you know, Mount Everest type, you know, everything was coming to her. I call it the old faithful when everything would blow and that was it. And I remember running back to God and saying, you know, I'm sick of this. Why is it a continual, you know, we think we got it, you know, we're over it and right back again. Well, first, let me tell you, it took marriage counseling to find the cause, the root cause of why those things were happening. Because I'm like, it feels like we're on this huge, you know, Ferris wheel ride. It continues to, you know, we think we're, yay, we're over it. Oh, you know, back over it again. It's the same thing. How? And then when we start looking at what just caused that humongous fight, it's like, um, I wanted green beans and you made corn. You know, it was just, you know, sometimes it was just stupid things. It's like, where did that come from? Well, come to find out there was causes and this couple that we use so good at that finding that cause but what God taught me in one of those pleadings to him again you know why you and I've dedicated my life and you know pastor on staff and you know you should just take care of this stuff he said I cannot heal what you continue to hide he will not come in and rip those things out He's a gentleman gardener, and he waits patiently beside for your permission for him to have. And he's waiting. He'll take our junk. He'll take our crippled crap, let me say it that plainly, of our past, some by other people's choices, some by our choices. And he'll take all that, and he'll go, oh, I can write a nice story out of this. Because the Bible says that he works everything out for the good 
to those who love him. Cause and effect. Let's look at Isaiah 61, since I've already been jumping there. Let's go there. I love the scripture. Well, I love all the scripture. But again, remember, whether these things that happened in our past were our choice or somebody else's choice, they're still affecting us if we hold on to them. If we continue to hold on to our past and not remember it, tend to it, take care of it. And we'll be doomed as that philosopher's to repeat it. It's just going to keep happening. Let me just pause for a second. Does anybody feel like there's things in your life that seems to repeat itself over and over again like I was just saying? Anybody? Anybody else? Okay. A couple are honest. The rest of you probably are lying. Anyway. No, I'm just kidding. That should be a ding, 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 red warning light. There is a cause. If you're continuing to face the same thing, you know, it, it it might smell a little different, look a little different, but, you know, peel off the mask and, you know, pull back the curtain and it's the same guy pulling the same strings. So we have to deal with the cause. Oh, and Isaiah 61, here it is. This is what happens. I love this scripture. Because he says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners. See? He covers them both. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance for our God. To comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion. To to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of gladness or the oil of joy instead of mourning. And a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Jump down to verse 7. Instead of their shame, my people will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace... They will rejoice in their inheritance, and so they will inherit a double portion in their land, and everlasting joy will be theirs. It's only God who can bring beauty from ashes. In the deepest, darkest part of our past, God can make righteousness and praise Bring up before the nations for the display of his goodness in your life. He can turn your disgrace into his praise because of his grace. Did you know that the prefix dis and disgrace, dis meaning in the absence of, lack of, or even the opposite of, 
So the opposite of his grace is your disgrace. His grace is not a free will. People get the word mercy and grace mixed up. Mercy is receiving something that you don't deserve. That's mercy. Forgiveness is God's mercy on you. Salvation is God's mercy on you. Grace is the divine empowerment to fulfill all he's asking you to do. It's that supernatural empowerment to do. Without his grace, you won't have the power. You have to have his power to do or to fulfill, it says, his will in your life. You can't do it on your own. That's why Jesus had to come. That's why Jesus filled us and says, here's the gift of the Holy Spirit. God waits for us to give him our past so he can rewrite our future in, through Isaiah 61 by healing the broken, giving freedom to the captive, releasing prisoners. And listen, I like it. I think it was a new King James Version. Sorry, I wanted to read that to you and I read my other one. Mm. Oh, no, I can't find it. Okay, anyway. Releasing prisoners from guilt and shame. It titled Guilt and Shame with Prisoners. What comes when you make wrong choices? Hello! Right? Yes. It's like the two twins that you don't want to visit you. You make the wrong choice. And I, you know, I hate I keep referring to that stinking book. Um, it's not for sale yet. Maybe I'm bringing up anticipation for the sales. No. But that's one of the things I talk about that, you know, Satan is always the one that's whispering in your ear, this isn't bad. You know you want this. You want to do this. It's not bad. God didn't really say that. It's okay. It's all right. You can do this. It's okay. You know, if you don't do it, you're just being a hypocrite because you know you want to do it, right? He's telling you all the stuff you want to hear to make you do what you want to do, right? And then the minute, no, sorry, the millisecond you do it, the one that once whispered in your ear, it's okay, is now standing in your face, pointing his accusing finger at you. Look what you've done. Right? Yeah. How dare you? You call yourself a Christian? Look at what you did. Oh, everybody's going to know what you did. Right? So you better run, hide, run, hide. Don't tell anybody. Keep this a secret. Run, hide. Don't tell anybody. Right? I'll tell you, broke my heart. Still breaks my heart when I think about this. Just on Wednesday, I was at Starbucks studying the message, putting the final touches on the message. All done. Wanted to vent about Starbucks playing stinking country music. <laughs> right? I'm, don't they know I'm trying to study? I got the Bible open. You don't play that. 
So I'm venting on Facebook, and like if you don't know, I don't get in Facebook that much, so I'm sorry if you get offended because I'm not liking all your stuff. I'm just not seeing it, and I'm so sorry. I like all your stuff. I like your food. I like your shoes. I like your whatever. You, I like it all, okay? So I like it all. But I just kind of whizzed through, you know, my feet. Really, seriously, I'm looking for grandkids. That's about it. Anyway, whizzed through, and my friend... Be careful. I don't want to say his name. This is recorded. It's going to be on podcast. But a long, long, long time friend. As a matter of fact, when Isaiah was just a year old, I was taking my first exam, which, by the way, Isaiah, my oldest son, and Rachel, his wife's here visiting. Hallelujah. Okay, anyway. Um, and we're still praying that they're moving up here. Anyway. When Isaiah was just a year old, I sat with this pastor friend of mine who was the presbyter, which means the the pastor over the sectional pastors in that area. I sat with him to take my first exam for credentialing. So 20, you're 30 yet, aren't you 30? Not yet. Okay, that close. He says, I don't even know anymore. Right. Um, He's, as far as I know, he's always been, we always would revote him as the presbyter, the pastor over all pastors. Sitting in Starbucks Wednesday morning, you know, whizzing through the feed, and saw one of his posts, him and I, friends, and he always does these, not like long posts, but these, he wants to build up a story, and then he gives encouraging things in there, and it's always, oh, that's so nice, you know. But it like went hardcore right to town. I've been found out. You know, it's all come out in the open. You know, and he started naming this list of stuff that he's been doing. And for, you know, and he made it sound like the whole time, which 25, 27, 28 years in ministry. Um, and... I'm sitting here right now waiting for the arrest warrant and I'll spend the rest of my life in jail. And he's my dad's age or, or older. And I just, I mean, I'm, because everybody's sitting there in Starbucks, I'm trying not to cry like a baby. And my heart was just broken. Why didn't he feel like he could turn to somebody? Why did he, the man, or us, let's look at ourselves. Why do we believe the lie? That you have to run, that you have to hide, that you can't tell anybody. When you screw up, does it ever make it better to hide it? What's going to happen when you mess up once and you don't repent? And I'm talking about there has to be a, a... There has to be not just, God, I'm sorry, I don't want to do it again. But there has to be a conversation with somebody, a peer um, or or, a pastor or somebody that you can pour out, get this out. Right? So that I don't go down that same road again and fall into that same pit. But if you don't have that, you're easily going to find yourself on that same road falling in that same pit again. And that's what he was explaining. Is that these things went on and on and on and on for 20 some years. Because he never, what? 
there was something that happened in his past. And again, I was reminded because he was born with um, cerebral palsy. And he was always in extreme pain. And there's emotional pain and there's physical pain. Both can distort your perspective equally. Physical pain can distort your perspective. And you can make decisions based on that pain, just like emotionally, that is going to lead you down the wrong road. And I'm not excusing it, and we have to be careful that we don't, and I think I do talk about that, um, that you don't excuse, give permission for um, bad choices. Or... Um, crippled beliefs. I'm trying to. I'm trying to find some real nice words and not just, you know, be so blunt. Since this is the Christmas season, but let me tell you, Adolf Hitler, which I don't like quoting that man very much, but he based his whole philosophy on that extravagant just horrible thing that happened. He based it all off this quote that he repeated over and over again. He said, you can tell a, you can tell a big lie as long as you tell it frequently, they'll believe it. They'll believe a big lie as long as you tell it frequently. And have you ever caught yourself believing something until a friend or a pastor or somebody, somebody that loves you enough says, mm, you know that's not true. But you've heard it in your head long enough that you actually believed it. We started exposing some of these things just within the last year about beliefs in the church that are wrong. But because we've heard them so much, we've believed them. I mean, I don't want to get off base, and we are wrapping up right now. So, Amy, if you want to come back up, seriously, I am wrapping up right now. Uh, how many has heard, if it's God's will to heal you, he will? Yeah, right? That is so a lie. Why did he send Jesus? To heal all. To heal all. You know, I could go on and on. And actually, what I've told you on Wednesday, we're beginning this Wednesday. You give me suggestions, text them to me, um, private message me. Hot topics. I'm not talking about the store hot topic. Talking about what are some hot topics that you believe, let's get to the bottom of it, um, and I'll address the top three on the next three Wednesdays. So you pick the topic. It will be an anonymous. I won't say, Jessica gave me this topic. Can I hate my husband and still love him? You know? <laughs> no, whatever it is. And you just text me or message me your hot topics, and I'll pick the top three and over the next three weeks on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock, and we'll, we'll hit on those. All right? Um, 
sorry, I don't even know where I was going from that. So think about some of the events from your past that may be affecting you right now. You know, and like I said, some like Scrooge's past in his schoolroom were, were choices that other people imposed upon him. That tainted, crippled his belief. He believed a lie from that, from that moment on. That, you know, in his second... The second scene where he's sitting there with his fiance, um, the damage was done, but now he's making choices based on that belief that are bad. And in order to experience this life transformation, we need to give God our past. And I completely believe, I've been praying into this week, that throughout this message, God has already been shining a spotlight on areas in your past. And you can, right away, I mean, I heard it as if it was a movie playing right before me, people's excuses. Well, I've already dealt with that one. I've already asked for forgiveness over that. Oh, I don't harbor any bad feelings against that person. But let me assure you, if you have a spotlight being shown on it right now, it's the Holy Spirit and he's trying to point out a cause. to dissect it. You're not the doctor. You don't have to fix it. He's the doctor. He's the surgeon. He's the gentleman gardener. He will take care of it, but he needs your permission to have it. He cannot heal what you continue to hide. when you find yourself standing on life's stage whatever direction you go from here is your choice look at your past travels do you want to keep going in the same direction same thing going over and over and over again or could today be the time to take a new road so would you stand right sorry I like that song let me read to you Philippians 3 not that I have already obtained all this listen to this or have already arrived at my goal but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me he's saying I press on to take hold of all that Christ died for me to possess for me to live for me to obtain he's saying I press on if Jesus died for me to have it I want it that's what he's saying right there brothers and sisters he goes on to say I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it all but one thing I do and there's that word again that I told you earlier forgetting what is behind and that forgetting is not a I'm just not going to remember it anymore I'll take it put it out of my mind but it's attending to it releasing it, forgiving it, and leaving it in God's hands, forgetting. 
what is behind and straining forward to what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. For all, for the fullness of all God has died for me to obtain. Forgetting is not just not remembering. Remembering is not just a fond recollection of, oh, or even a horrible recollection of. It's a tending to it. It's a releasing of it. It's a forgiving. It's a giving to. And it has to be placed in God's hands. I like it. I think it's in Corinthians. Is it? Did I write it down somewhere? I think it's in 1 Corinthians 3. Paul's going on and leaving this list of what we inherit as new believers, that new creation in Christ. You inherit, and he lists things like the world. He, he lists things like the present. He even lists death. He lists the future. These are all things you inherit. The only thing he omits from that list is your past. Because once you give it to God, it's not yours anymore. So if you find yourself repeating things or in the same cycle, it's a warning. Ooh, 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 red light, you're still holding on to it. So right now, God, we just bow our heads to you. We bow our hearts to you. And we throw back the curtains of our life before you right now. And we just ask you, Holy Spirit, to just begin shining your light upon us. Is there a lie that we've believed? Is there a cause in our life that's affecting us? ourselves or, or somebody's choice and they did it to us. Which, whichever it was, you came to set both the captive and the prisoner free. And right now we just surrender to you, God. If he starts showing you things right now with your mouth, just confess it out. Just, it's yours, God. I see that scene right now you're playing out in my mind and right now I just release that into your hands it's yours God cut it away you're the gentleman gardener cut it away take it God it's yours and God we believe your word says that if we confess you are faithful and just to forgive us. Yes. Wash us clean. Rewrite our future. Give us a new perspective. Give us the eyes of Christ. would be a display of your splendor. Mm, that you can take these ashes, this junk, and make
make it a treasure for your glory. I vow today that as I give you that part of my past, as I give you my past, as I give you that that you're cutting away, I'll no longer look at it the same way. That's not affecting me anymore. That's yours, Lord. That's yours. I'm a new creation. I'm a new person. I cannot be affected by something that's been cut out of my life. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Lord, that I'll learn from my past, but I will not let my past find me any longer. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I just want to open up the altars right now. You need to come up, you need to worship, you need to just thank him and allow that time of that joy to be poured over you. He's cut away something, and now just like in the hospital, when they take you in the off operating room, they put you into this other room just to tend to you a little longer. This is your tending to a little longer. Let them tend to you. Let the oil of joy and gladness wash over you. Let him fill you. Spend time with him. And if you need prayer for anything, this is where you get it and when you get it. So come on, let's worship together. Let's just press in.